right, welcome to our 8 a.m. devotional on this Tuesday morning. You know what today is? Anybody know what today is? It is Teacher Appreciation Day. Teacher Appreciation Day, and I would love, love, love for you to do a couple of things right now. <clears throat> One is, if you are a teacher, <clears throat> let us know where you teach. Actually, where you would be teaching would uh, be more appropriate if there wasn't a pandemic. Uh, maybe what grade you teach or what subject you teach as well. And then those of you who are watching along with us, please give them some love, right? Give them some love. Now, I know teachers that you're thinking, well, I don't want to put myself out there because it's like I'm begging for people to appreciate me. Uh, we don't see it that way. The Bible says in Romans, honor to whom honor is due, and today is a day to honor you. So I'm asking you nicely. I'm saying, please, please do this, teachers. And now you have to do it because I ask you nicely. Actually, think of it like this is a pop quiz and I'm your teacher. And, uh, and if you don't tell us where you are out there, that you are out there, and something about yourself, um, you're gonna flunk devotionals. You're gonna flunk devotionals, and you don't want that on your record, do you? I don't think so. So teachers, if you're out there, and I know you are, tell us uh, where you teach and what subject you teach or what grade you teach, and then everybody else, show them lots of love in the comments because we love our teachers. Secondly, if you know a teacher, I'm gonna encourage you to go to our Facebook page after this devotional is over, or go to our Instagram uh, account as a church, and you can find all those by going through our uh, church website down at the middle, the, the bottom, where the icons are for our social media. Click on those social medias, go, and then we're putting up a post, and I think that post is up now. It's up right now. So go to those posts when we're done here and I want you to tag a teacher. Tag a teacher there in the comments or onto that post and maybe comment why, why you're tagging them. Uh, let everybody know how much you appreciate them. Why are we doing this? Because we love our teachers. We love our teachers and we appreciate your hard work each and every day. Uh, I, I couldn't do it and I've told you guys that before. I wouldn't last a week teaching elementary school. <clears throat> I probably, come think of it, I wouldn't last a day in a junior high school. I wouldn't last a day. But our teachers just keep on showing up and giving their all to our kids so that our kids can succeed in this life. So we love you. We appreciate you. Thank 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 you, teachers. Okay. As mentioned, on Sunday, we are inching toward in-person services, but we're not going, we're not going to rush it. We're not going to rush into them because we want to do it as safely as possible and in accordance with all the social distancing recommendations that our state has for us. So <clears throat> what's happening right now, if you don't know, and maybe you're outside of Texas and this is going to be news to you, but we are in phase one in the state of Texas for reopening, re reopening Texas. Good news for us as a church is the church was never closed. Boom, because the church is not a building, it's people. So we're not like a gym, we're not like a retail shop uh, where we just have buildings and those buildings are what we are. They're the place where we are. We are what we are with or without a building and we are the children of God. We are the church. Uh, but I do thank God 
for the technology and uh, that we have in order to to keep the word going out but also i thank god for the team that's here even at this moment that is helping us to be able to uh, communicate God's word and encourage folks each and every day. It's been very refreshing. So, so back to the uh, original point here. When are we going to gather together again? Here's the answer. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this, not in phase one. Not in phase one. Even though we uh, technically we couldn't meet because churches have never really closed down uh, we were effectively closed down with social distancing measures. It's almost impossible to have church um, <clears throat> and uh, abide by the social distancing recommendations that are out there. So phase one ends May 18th. If the virus continues to die down as it has been, uh, then, then Texas will go into phase two on that day on May 18th. And I'm not sure what phase two means. I'm not sure what restrictions will still be in place or if there will be increased restrictions. We, we just don't know. And so uh, we need those details before we can move forward, before we can even begin to make plans. Now, uh, we don't wanna rush with foolishness. We don't wanna rush with foolishness. Neither do we wanna be uh, paralyzed by fear. So. We're trying to do this prayerfully and uh, in accordance with what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13. We're gonna wait to hear from the governor and then if all is headed in the right direction, we'll begin to put together plans based on the facts, based on the recommendations that we have available at that time. So quite frankly, I covet your, your prayers. Just like everybody else, we're trying to navigate waters we have never ever sailed in. Uh, they did not teach us this stuff in Bible college. So <clears throat> we're doing what Jesus said. <coughs> Pardon me. We're doing what Jesus said. <clears throat> we're watching and we're praying because we want to do our best for our church family and we want to be a good neighbor and we want to be a good witness to our community. All right? So that's that. I need to get to Romans. <clears throat> uh, today... We're going to continue in my most favorite chapter, I think, in the entire Bible. I think, at least right now, this since I'm talking about it. Romans chapter 8 is where we'll be today. If you want to follow along, we're going to begin today where we left off yesterday. We're going to begin in verse 18. And in my Bible, that section heading says, present suffering and future glory. Present suffering and future glory. It sounds like, <clears throat> kind of sounds like right now. But uh, since we are, are not a prosperity church, this is not about how 2020 is gonna be your year of increase or your year of jubilee or whatever. The future glory reference that is talked about here in this passage is about heaven. It's about heaven. So let's read some. Romans chapter eight, beginning verse 18. <clears throat> I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the, the glory that will be revealed in us. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the, with the glory that will be revealed in us. One more time. I consider that our present sufferings that are happening to us right now are not worth comparing with the glory 
that will be revealed in us. Okay. I'd like to save some of this for uh, the Sunday after next. So I'm not going to give you everything right now. But when this letter was written, Nero was the emperor of the Roman Empire. He was Caesar. And Nero, he was a bad dude. If you don't believe me, Google him. And uh, you can even read the secular accounts about his rule, and you'll see that the dude was an absolute maniac. He was unhinged. And unfortunately, Christians were on the receiving end of that um, maniacal bloodlust that this guy had. Eventually, uh, Christians would be made to fight wild animals and uh, gladiators in the Colosseum. They would be dipped in tar, put on poles, and lit on fire to light up Nero's gardens. It is a a very painful period in history for the Christians in Rome. But even in the middle of this suffering, something amazing happened. Christianity spread. But here, Paul is telling the people, it's tough now, it's tough now. But these sufferings that we're going through right now are not even worth comparing to the glory that we're going to see revealed in us. He says, it's bad now, but the glory that we're going to have eventually, we're going to see revealed in us is not, the suffering's not worth comparing to that glory. So he's saying, stay strong, stay strong. So I'm a visual guy. Uh, So so when he says the present sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory, I kind of think of it, and I don't know if this is right or not, but I'm going to throw it out here anyway. I think of it as a spectrum of opposites with the the middle being neutral. Okay, so this is like room temperature, not bad, not good, just right in the middle. And uh, on this end is uh, bad stuff that could happen. On this side, it's good stuff that could happen. And so he says... He says, if the bad, if the present sufferings are, let's say, a 10 on the, on the bad side of this spectrum. This, this is what I see in my head when I read this anyway. If the bad is a 10, like here's the middle, and, a bad, and the bad right now is a 10. He says, the good that is coming is a 10 million. Like you, you can't even compare it. Now, I, I think of it like, like this also. <clears throat> When a, when a mom gives birth to a baby, it hurts. It hurts. And I know that from personal experience. Not that I've had a baby, but I've watched my wife have a baby, and I've watched her hurt, and I've watched her hurt me as she squeezed my hand. But the, the pain, and, and I don't, I am not saying that I have felt it, but I'm saying that I can see that it is very painful. The pain, however, <clears throat> according to my wife, doesn't compare to the joy that lives on year after year after year after year as that child grows. In fact, that pain, once that baby is born, almost disappears. It's still painful, but it almost it's almost a forgotten thing almost immediately after that baby is born and they place that child in their mother's arms. And we could look at this uh, painful situation that we're in right now. And uh, we can say, wow, this is painful. This is painful. This is, this is the worst. 
and it is bad for many people. It is, they're going through the worst things that they're going through, they've gone through in their life. And I'm not gonna sugarcoat it because people have lost jobs, people have gotten sick, people have lost loved ones. I know those things to be true, but I also know this truth that Paul says on the other end of the spectrum, that thing that folks have experienced now doesn't compare to this. Listen to me, heaven, heaven is going to be so good. It's going to be so good that, that the day that we arrive there and we see the glory of God and we see the glory that he has put in us and it's revealed in those moments and, and having those first moments when we walk through those gates, all the junk that we have gone through here on this earth is going to fade away. It's going to fade away in a moment from our memory as we just relish in that glory and we dance and we give high fives and we have our new hope gathering inside the gate and down to the left. It's going to be, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. <clears throat> Where am I? Verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. This is pretty cool because even the creation was affected by the fall in Genesis chapter three. I, I don't profess to know how God has set it up at the beginning, but I do know it was perfect in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. That's the way that God wanted it. It was like heaven on earth, but then sin entered into the world and mankind and creation paid the price for sin coming into the world. Verse, verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So there's one of the uh, laws of thermodynamics in effect that everything is breaking up and going toward decay and, and maybe at the beginning it wasn't that way. Maybe at the beginning that law of thermodynamics was not in effect, but then boom, sin came into the world. Everything now is headed toward decay. And uh, in Revelation, uh, the Apostle John talks about seeing a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what creation is waiting for, that renewal, that renewal. Verse uh, 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Okay, th this whole creation groaning in the pains of childbirth phrase here. Uh, two things I want to tell you. One is that the Apostle Paul uses this metaphor another time over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Actually, it's in verse 3 where he actually says it. But in that reference, he's talking about the end times when Jesus comes back. And a truth of labor pains is this. They increase in frequency and intensity, in frequency and intensity. So... When a woman goes into labor, she starts feeling that pain. We don't know. We don't know the moment. We, we can't predict it when that child is going to be born until that child is born. 
So what do we do when our wife goes into labor? We put her in the truck or the car and we push the gas pedal to the floor and we turn on the emergency blinkers and we get to the hospital. Because we don't know exactly when it's gonna happen, but we do know this, that labor pains mean, mean that we're headed toward a birth, that it's gonna happen. You don't know if the baby's gonna be born in five minutes, you don't know if the baby's gonna be born in five hours. So you go fast, you go fast to the hospital, you get ready, you get to the right place because the labor pains simply tell you this, the baby is on the way. Now, we don't know for sure, we don't know uh, when the day is gonna be coming, when Jesus is gonna crack the sky and he's gonna come and he's gonna take us to our new home. We, we know that ultimately that this world is not our home, that we're just passing through. And we know that this world is groaning and this world is yearning and this world is letting out an inaudible sigh, which is what that word means for groaning there in the text. It's, it's groaning for a new beginning. And even though we don't know the day, I do know this, every day means we're one day closer. Every day means that we're one day closer. Perhaps today, who knows? Verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, meaning this is the ultimate reason that we have our hope for salvation. Uh, we have hope because this is something that hasn't happened yet. Okay, that's what hope does. Hope, hope is, is in us because something that we want has not happened yet. There's still more to come. The best is yet to come. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it. How? If you're looking at the text, how do we wait for it? Patiently, patiently. Now, here you go. This is where it ties back up to that first verse that we read in this section, which is uh, verse... 18 again, verse 18, one more time. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's saying something better is coming. Something better is coming. So because we know that something better is coming, we can be patient here while we're waiting and while we're going through junk. You with me? See how this all ties together? Back to verse... <clears throat> 25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, <clears throat> I've heard people say in the past that this is a reference to speaking in tongues. Uh, respectfully, it is not either in the English or in the Greek. This word groan is that same word that uh, he says is happening to the whole creation back in verse 22. 
since the beginning, the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth. <clears throat> this groaning is not audible. It's, um, it's an inner sighing is what this word means. And, and just to be real honest with you, I did this this morning. I did this this morning, about 6.15, sitting in my kitchen table, looking out the window, watching the sun rise. I did this, I had this, this inner groan, this inner sigh, there's this uh, yearning in my soul for things to get better. I just want things to get better. I'm not saying go back to normal. I'm just saying I, things, I want things to change for the better. And I am at a point where this is going on a little bit too long. Uh, I don't know what to say to God. I feel like I've said everything to God. I don't know what to say to God. But here's what I do know, and, and I believe that this is right in accordance with this passage of Scripture. If you just put yourself before God, He doesn't expect you to have all the answers. Like, you don't have to get up in the morning in your prayer time and say, okay, God, I figured everything out, and, and here's what I want you to do. This is my three-point plan that I'm going to ask you to do this plan for me today. Do this, number one, and then God, when you're done with that, I want you to do number two, and then God, when you're done with that, I want you to do number three. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and carrying out my will. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. That's not that's not even what prayer is supposed to be about. And literally, what, this, whole, what this, this section of this passage is telling us is if we, if we get to that point where we don't know what to pray, like we, we go before God and we go, I, I got nothing, God. I, I, you know, yesterday I thought I, I thought I had the answer, and so I prayed, God, do this, do this, do this. And here I am today, and I don't know. I don't know. And if you get to that point and literally you don't know what to say and you can just sit quietly before God and acknowledge his presence and, and uh, signal to him in those moments that your heart is submitted and willing for his will to be done and not your will without saying a word, without saying a word. The Holy Spirit hears that. He hears that. And he carries that to the Father, which is awesome and amazing. Verse 26 again, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what to pray sometimes. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people. That means what's in here, he's going to take before God. He intercedes for God's people. He, he, he's the go-between. He takes what, what's in our heart to God. He intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So even if we are still before God, and maybe, and, and I, don't want to put, I don't want to put God's words, I don't want to put my words into God's mouth here, but maybe especially if we are still before God. He takes our yearnings and God's will and the Spirit puts those together. Our yearnings, God's will puts them together. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get something done. I don't know how to make something work. I don't know how to help somebody that's been on my heart. I, 
don't know what to do sometimes. And I just have that burden on my heart and I come before God and I just show up. Boom, the Holy Spirit does the rest. Verse 28, this is gonna be a familiar one for a lot of us who've been in church at New Hope Church because I quote it on a regular basis. Verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So ultimately it's gonna be good. So if it's not good, God's not done. If it's not good, God's not done because we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now verse 29, for those God foreknew, for those God foreknew, now I don't want you to get tripped up here, God just knows things you and I don't know. And he looks and he knows who will accept his offer of salvation. And uh, he has a plan for those who do. That's all I'm saying here. It doesn't eliminate your choice. It doesn't eliminate your faith in him. Um, he's not gonna save someone who's not willing to follow him. But he knows those who ultimately do follow. And, and, and we can't because we, we, we can't know that because we are in time, but God is outside of the constraints of time. He can see the beginning. He can see the middle. He can see the end all from his vantage point on his throne. And he can see those of us who would accept his free gift. And for us, he has a plan. And the plan is the same for every single follower of Jesus Christ. Continuing in verse 26, he also predestined those he foreknew, those who he knew would come to Christ. He predestined those to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. So God's plan for you is to look like Jesus, to be conformed to his image, to look more like Jesus in the way that we relate to each other, the way we talk to each other, the way we think, the way we make decisions, the way we bear the likeness of his son. Verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And this goes back to the very first verse in this section. Again, verse 18, I consider that what we're going through right now, the suffering that we're going through is not worth comparing to the future glory. So God is saying the junk that we go through, the things that you don't have an answer for, the times when you just sit before me without a clue, just submit yourself to my will and all of this stuff the stuff which for these people included the persecution of Christians by Nero and for us can include the trials of this pandemic. God can use all the stuff because God can use all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And each day <clears throat> as we trust him, when we don't know how things are going to work out, we don't know what we're going to do next. We just quietly trust him then God is working a plan in us to make us more like Jesus. So let God do his holy work in us today. Let him do his holy work in you today by understanding this simple yet profound starting point. Our present pain is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So trust him. Let God make something good come out of something bad. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I know that uh, the biggest hardship right now for a lot of people in our church family is not the virus, it's the effects of the lockdown because of the virus. 
So Lord, I'm just praying that you'd bring down this curve so that our people can get back to work, so they can provide for their families, so that they can go on with their lives in, in a better way, Lord. I pray also that you would heal the sick. I pray that you'd protect the healthy. I pray that you would do as only you can do, God, and that is to make good come from bad. God, give our leaders wisdom about how to proceed. I pray that you'd watch over our church family, Lord. Make us more like Jesus. Make us more like Jesus. Make us today, today, Lord, make us more like Jesus. And it's in his powerful name that I pray these things. And all the people said, amen. All right, please don't forget that uh, Thursday is National Day of Prayer. I hope that you'll join me right here, 8 a.m. on Thursday for a time of prayer for the National Day of Prayer. Tomorrow we continue in the book of Romans. Be here, 8 a.m. Love you so much. Miss you. Hope to see you soon. God bless, church family. Bye-bye.